The Guardian. Hello and welcome to Music Weekly, coming to you from Glastonbury 2013. I'm Alexis Petridis. And I'm Kieran Yates. On today's programme, the first of three specials, we'll be reviewing day one of the festival, including performances by Portishead, BDI, great, Arctic Monkeys and Chic. And I'll be speaking to Laura and Vula before her Glastonbury debut on Saturday night. And we'll hear from artist Joe Rush from Mutoid Waste about his 25th festival appearance. That's all to come on Music Weekly, but first, an apology read by Tim Jones. On Thursday 27th of June, I made a weather forecast. I predicted that there would be a little bit of drizzle on Friday. I also said that you should throw your wellies away. No one needs wellies, just bring some trainers. You'll be fine. I now realize I made a grave mistake. I thought the weather on Tuesday night being hot meant that the weather on Thursday night would also be hot. It wasn't. In the light of recent events at Glastonbury, I would like to retract the statements I made and apologise to the people who tweeted me to say that I am, in fact, the indie equivalent of broadcaster Michael Fish. I am truly sorry. You're listening to Music Weekly from Glastonbury 2013. With Alexis Petridis no. and Kieran Yates. So it's gone midnight. It's nearly 1am. That's how, that's how rock and roll we are. It's uh, nearly 1am uh, around the back of the pyramid stage. Uh, I have with me uh, not merely Kieran Yates, but uh, Tim Jones and Dorian Linsky as well. Uh, uh, Tim, what have you been up to today? Did you see BDI? I saw BDI first thing. Like As I was arriving on site, it was like, this is the first thing. I'm, I've travelled all the way from Somerset. And I'm going straight I've been back here again. since Tuesday night <laughs> and I'm going to watch BDI. Um, how were they? Did they go? Did well, they you go? know what? The crowd was massive. Mm-hmm which you don't really see at 11am on a, on the other stage absolutely absolutely rammed and I don't know if, if you're if you've had like a Thursday night out it's been rainy you're a bit hungover and whatever you don't want to like get up and watch Old J or whatever no. so actually it was quite great to see like Liam Gallagher just on stage and just yeah. doing his thing it was like quite a good wake up call did they do Oasis songs? they did do Oasis songs they did two Oasis songs I think they did Morning Glory and Rock and Roll Star oh. which the trouble they've got at the moment is if they don't play them, people aren't that satisfied. But if they do play them, it does overshadow yeah, their own yeah, songs, yeah, obviously. Yeah, They've got a couple of songs that kind of stand up to them, but no. Mm, not, not too much. Uh, uh, Kieran, what, what have you seen today? I saw Solange earlier, who mm-hmm. was great. The, I mean, I think her whole set was a little bit boring, which we were discussing earlier, but I think she sounded, <laughs> but she sounded great. She did sound like amazing. Yeah. And a lot of the people in the crowd, um, surprisingly, knew more than just losing you so oh. that was quite good I thought excellent mm-hmm. excellent um, adore him well you know that thing uh, that was on the website the other day about how there weren't enough uh, women playing Glastonbury yes um, took all the women bands that didn't have women in the women out, which was a massacre in the dance stage yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. With, uh, but it didn't look too DJ bad Gators. no it looked better than uh, I mean compared to Reading and, yeah. And, yeah. yeah but I saw um, almost exclusively bands with women in them today I saw Haim and Savage. I'm no hero. Um, <laughs> I just, I just like seeing the ladies. Uh, no, I saw Haim, which is how I know it's now pronounced. Um, Savages, uh, Solange, Tom Tom Club, and Porter's Head. Right. How were Porter's Head? Porter's Head were headlining the other stage. It makes you realise that you don't normally at festivals see really, really intense. 
kind of emotional bloodletting music. You were at I mean, BDI, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's true, actually. I shouldn't generalise. Um, but they were just so staggeringly intense, and they went from the kind of real, like, hushed intense to incredible fucking nutty machine-made krautrock. I heard intense. they had uh, a, uh, like, a sort of, some sort of... I don't know, what, like a, a, an effigy of, of David Cameron that shot lasers no, out of his eyes. It did. It wasn't an effigy, <laughs> um, but it was, uh, yes, a big David Cameron face, which, you know, I was I was feeling pretty sharp, but had I not been... I was going to say, I people might have been a bit enjoyed startled. themselves in the traditional Glastonbury manner. I, I know. Imagine, although I think by then they might have been having a slightly harrowing time of it, <laughs> because, uh, you know, Beth Gibbons often seems very sad in her songs. Mm. Um, but it was just sort of it was so unusual it was mm. like and just she doesn't say a single word to the crowd until the end when just like really bashfully she goes oh thanks very much I hope it was alright bye <laughs> <laughs> you know which just after seeing like a fucking rip out her guts on stage was quite a sweet moment were people crying I road? cried during Rhodes Dorian you cry a lot at Glastonbury don't you I do I cry every year at Glastonbury is that your thing uh Sometimes I before I get on site. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I felt a tear. Uh, My whole thing with Glastonbury is when you cry watching bands, and it is because you're moved, but is it because you're in an emotionally fragile place anyway? Yes. My, the reason I felt a tear come to my eye it was when I was watching Dizzy Rascal <laughs> and it was actually because I really needed a poo <laughs> I realised I hadn't timed my ablutions correctly throughout the day I, I, I really need to go to the loo I'm trying to review something Alexis. I can't concentrate it was very difficult the bass shaking it loose the bass sh- it was, it was um, but uh, that and you cried. I pooed myself and cr- reader. I pooed myself and cried. <laughs> There's your poster quote, Mr. Rascal. Um, uh, I liked uh, going to see Dizzy Rascal because previously I'd been to see Alt J, and uh, Alt J, very good band. I, I like Alt J very much, uh, but it was quite vaporous sort of music. It was quite uh, sort of opaque and difficult to get a handle on. I'm they did a Dr. Dre cover, didn't they? Well, they did oh, a cover of Slow. Right. Mashup. Yeah. With, uh, they mashup, their mashups are in, aren't they? Jesus Christ. <laughs> they cover... They sure killed those. They killed two songs at once. It was a I, double killing. I, 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 I enjoyed them more than that. But what, uh, <laughs> what was sort of amazing about it was I was standing next to a guy that looked just like you, and he wasn't enjoying it at all. Don't <laughs> shed light on the magic, Dorian. I'm trying to tell an anecdote. Gone. Um, no, I, 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 you know, I was sort of enjoying all the but it was quite hard to get a handle on what they were doing. And I said, oh, is this right? You know, is this sort of a festival, big festival kind of band? And um, I said, it's a bit vaporous. And I walked over and saw Dizzy Rascal. And uh, <laughs> that was the least vaporous thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Dizzy Rascal, uh, his, his sort of latter day style of music, it was really brought home to me how sort of gonzo and ridiculous it is. The first thing I heard Dizzy Rascal say as I approached the field was, this one's for all the women with the big asses. It's called Arse Like That. And I thought, oh, this is different Hello. to old Jay. Um, <laughs> uh, not then, that different. Not <laughs> that different. <laughs> they do, they they do a really sad then. cover version of that. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, that was an old Jay cover, Dizzy was doing it, didn't he? And then he did that, um, that one, uh, oh, I don't need no heroin, that one. Oh, oh you can keep your ketamine. And we still sort of shouting and banging and dance. and I really, I really enjoyed that, but not as much as I enjoyed Chic, uh, who were uh, just so awesome, incredible, relentless, awesome, bludgeoning you with hits, one hit after another. Um, I met Nile Rogers earlier today, and he found out uh, he was told 
uh, today that Get Lucky by Daft Punk sold a million copies in Britain and as he pointed out every record I make sells a million copies actually Le Freak sold six million copies um, and I thought right on and it was just like a celebration of how many just this demented quantity of hits that he's he's done and all the, it was brilliant it was absolutely fantastic show if you get the chance to go and see um, uh, uh, Chic Live I wholeheartedly recommend it some of the greatest pop music ever made uh, played by this totally crap band it was amazing also to see it in a field full of people who led us in the free spirit of Glastonbury not beat about the bush were off their fucking tits um, it was all sorts of pandemonium going on around me I, I obviously was uh, you know Straight as an arrow. arrow. Straight as an arrow. Um, but um, there was all sorts of uh, just berserk behaviour going on around me. And it was, it was just a, a genuinely exciting and wonderful glass and Richmond. And at the end of the set, uh, they didn't play Get Lucky. Uh, but Nairo just stayed on stage while the PA played. Get I didn't really understand yeah. what was happening. No, I, don't, I, I think anybody understood what was going what? on. Uh, you know, and the crowd sort of sung it was quite it back quiet as well, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, like, you know. Um, but then the crowd did sing it for a, a couple of fields. Mm. Yeah, and he, he looked pretty, uh, pretty... But then well, is that what we want from a gig? Well, he just had to play the record. He had just played like an <laughs> yeah. hour and a half. But do you know what I mean? It's like, that's weird, centers. isn't it? It's it like, is a weird thing to do. Well, you know, tell that to uh, Fatboy Slim, who we've got on the show tomorrow. <laughs> You're just playing music, it's not really a gig. He's playing records. Anyway, yes. I'll tell you what was quite weird, though, in terms of tuning the festival, where I thought I would have heard Get Lucky lots and lots of times. Mm. I miss Pro Green doing it, mixing it with NXS's Need You Tonight. It sounded <laughs> magic. Uh, but um, no, it was Mash Disclosure White Noise because of Luna George, yep. like the Florence of this year, yep. popping up everywhere. So I saw it popping up with Dizzy Rascal to do White Noise. Half an hour later, I'm over at Disclosure. There she is again. Wow. White Noise. So I've just had White Noise embedded in my head. And, it's and just then, like, I hope that she's just going to keep doing it. There you were watching Porter's Head. <laughs> Did you struggle to get yeah. into dis- Disclosure? Cause I, no, I, I literally, I couldn't yeah, even I find out where you were, where the back of time. the stage was because yeah. there were people spilling out in all directions and at one point I was like is this a disclosure on and they were like yeah look yeah, there's like nothing ask. there and yeah. you actually had to go around the other side to see them and they wow. were overwhelmed what was actually really nice today and it's one of my favourite things at Glastonbury is when people well, most of the people I saw today haven't played Glastonbury before mm. and they're so overwhelmed like that Haim the woman from Haim the bassist who does the faces mm. she was just like this is, this is like the best day of my life and, wow. she, and she can you take a photo and somebody ran on from the side going, they basically stopped the set take a photo of her with her back to the crowd with double thumbs up <laughs> <laughs> Maca style um, amazing and it was just sort of this you didn't get that from Savages <laughs> 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 they uh, they could have been happy to be playing Glastonbury I don't know they didn't, they didn't seem very happy yeah um, but it's just I always find it a really touching thing and the guy from Disclosure was like I don't know what to say I can't believe this I don't understand why all these people are here like it was really kind of it's an intense thing because you come to Glastonbury and you're playing the biggest crowd unless you're like the arena band or whatever you're yeah. playing the biggest crowd that you've ever played to yeah even if you're on quite early mm. and uh, and I just love that feeling uh, that, that you actually feel their excitement but also being in the audience as well you believe it you believe how excited they are it's Absolutely. not like when you see Drake, when he's, Drake or someone he's completely over earnest like guys this, yeah. is, this is the best moment of my life this is like yeah I, I know it's not Lady Gaga going I'm here to serve you yeah exactly no no you do believe it it, yeah, is absolutely do. True. it doesn't it doesn't feel pat it doesn't feel mm. thing I'll tell you what I saw in terms of uh, people uh, being overwhelmed I saw Foles uh, and uh, the guy from Foles lead singer Yanis uh, my fellow countryman uh, was so overwhelmed by the reception to the, his band that he threw himself into the crowd with his guitar and crowd surfed and at one point the, 
<laughs> the big screen, the camera from the big screen, caught caught him, sort of caught his face. And he was wearing an expression that I can only describe as the expression of a man who is regretting the decision to have thrown himself bodily into the audience, you know, with his guitar. If you're uh, Iggy Pop, you throw yourself into the audience, that's what you do. If you're Yanis from Foles, you probably don't do it that often. He does and do it a lot. Does he? Yeah, that's kind I, of his I thing. Do, is it really? Yeah. Do you I apologise to I'll tell you what, if you They're want... one of the wildest kind of live indie bands. I mean, I know that's kind of a, you know... Yeah, 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 I know, I know. But, what you're but they they do really put on a show, and they are incredible live. And they do like you know, like when I saw them in LA quite recently, like Yanis just appeared at the back, standing on the bar, wow, like doing oh. like um, kind of Afrobeat <laughs> stuff. It's like this is, yeah. If That's you want stagecraft, I was walking from one band to another, and I happened to pass the Lumineers. Hmm. The Where's the story Mumford, going? Mumford and Sons US branch, and they deposited a stool in the middle of the audience what, in what sense? and performed in, around in, in it. the way that I wanted to do in Dizzy, Dizzy Rascal's set was that, was that there that? was a I'd phrased I'd phrased it to allow for that reading yes a big shit in the middle of the crowd no but in a sense they did sort of Gigi Allen <laughs> <laughs> but it, it felt musically very much like that and then they sang Needle Up My Cock <laughs> there were quite a lot of people trying to run into the Guardian Porter cabin and have a wee today Really? Asking, yeah, being like, is this the toilets? No, no, not well, the toilets. Once the, the Lumineers got, uh, like, what? They got in the middle so of the crowd and they play. performed in the crowd just like it was just any old hootenanny. Was it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, those crazy guys. Dizzy Rascal should have done that. Just got in the crowd and shouted. <laughs> <laughs> Shout- oh, I need no cabin! You can keep your cabin! Um, Do they at is- least have screens, though? Because that's what I was missing at Nile Rogers. Yes, because that was, I, yes. I yeah, when you don't have screens, I, really I had to write in the review of Solange... Uh, they go the specific bit what's she wearing and it was like I don't know because I'm very far away and there's no screens clothes I'm going to say that she's wearing clothes of many colours but I really have no idea I'll tell you what I've been impressed monkeys didn't have uh, did, they not, did they not? We haven't talked about the Arctic Monkeys. They were the well, headlines. The Arctic Monkeys are, I bet maybe it's just in our kind of group of people we know, but they seem to be a very forgotten headline. Like they, everyone, they, they certainly weren't a forgotten headline. Everyone was going to Cheek and was, a few people were going to Portishead. Yeah, but, but, but I mean, within the context of the crowd at Glastonbury, yeah. I was sort of trying to get backstage after the crowd, as the crowd were leaving yeah. the Arctic Monkeys thing, and there was loads of people well I went I, I watched the first three songs and it it, it wasn't it wasn't rammed right and it was good it was good there was like lights and you know yeah they, they, but there was no screen. they stepped it up a bit well they might have put the screens no they did have screens but you couldn't really but it wasn't see Alex. it was like a four person thing yeah it was like and four. it was weirdly there's a weird distance there's something like he was trying to do warmth but he was doing it as like patter because mm. he's quite a kind of shy bloke I think because he was just going are we ready to have a good time ladies and gentlemen yeah. are you ready to get on your dancing shoes and then they play dancing shoes right and it was like it was <laughs> like quite arch and it wasn't you know that thing that Chris Martin has where he just has that way of talking to the yeah, crowd absolutely, just absolutely. Like, yes you know whether you like Coldplay or not you're like Good God, it is incredibly charming, and I believe you. Mm. And I think the Arctic Monkeys lacked a little bit of that. Right, right, right. From what right, I right. saw, maybe, okay. maybe later on, though. Okay, wonderful. Well, we'll leave it there. Uh, Kieran, Dorian, uh, Tim, thank you very much. Uh, we'll be coming back to you later. Let us move on. Earlier, I spoke to Laura and Vula, who's playing the Pyramid Stage on Saturday night. The Birmingham-born singer-songwriter has gone from receptionist to Britain-nominated within a year. And her first album, Sing to the Moon, has had some great songs, including Green Garden. Let's hear a clip, then we'll hear from Laura.
take me outside, sit in the green garden, nobody out there, but it's okay now, bathing the sunlight, don't mind if rain falls, take me outside, sit in the green garden. Let's talk a little bit about Glastonbury. Mm-hmm. Um, how how do you feel about it? I mean, it's it's pretty amazing and scary. I'm going for the first year this this year. Oh really? Yeah, and I'm pretty scared by it, and I'm going nowhere near a stage. So, <laughs> <laughs> so tell me yeah. about it. Well, if you can imagine, that's what I would have said as a punter, and this is somebody who's never been to any kind of music festival before, not a proper one. I used to listen to friends talk about it and feel scared just because it sounds so huge and daunting but incredibly exciting. I think I was told about six or seven months ago that it was on the cards that I'd be performing and I thought it was some kind of joke. It felt extremely premature and I thought it was a bit ridiculous. And I I still think that. (laughs) But I'm, I'm obviously incredibly excited um when i watched glastonbury two years ago on iplayer i saw coldplay close and um, i watched beyonce in the pyramid stage and i watched rumors set who steve brown produced before me and steve brown produced my first record and i mean how can you it's so iconic it's so legendary there's so much there's so many people it's one of those things that i'm just kind of trying to mentally prepare myself Normally, before any kind of performance, I try and simulate in my mind what it might be like, you know, whether that's kind of literally putting myself in that space or watching loads of YouTube videos or whatever. And I can honestly say that with Glastonbury, it feels nearly impossible to try and get myself to understand what it's going to be like. I think it's going to be one of those things where it'll just happen <laughs> and I'll have to cope with it as it comes. I'll be cheering you on. Thanks. Also, I think you're in part of, you know, quite an iconic set of people who perhaps when they were younger were learning all the tropes of kind of classical music or, you know, piano. There's a very famous anecdote by Questlove where he says that he was doing 10,000 hours of drumming and then it wasn't until he met Jay Diller that he had to completely deconstruct everything he'd learned yes. um, to do yes. something different. So, do you, I don't know, do you feel something like that kind of, you kind of learnt the forms and then you had to kind of do that in order to manipulate them and do Absolutely. what you Although I wouldn't say I learnt the forms. <laughs> <laughs> semi um <laughs> few basics i got a few basics it's like when people say yeah it was grade eight piano really that means nothing now if you were to hear me play a piano piece you would i think you'd struggle to to make that connection but uh yeah i think i definitely have had to unlearn more than anything i think philosophies or sort of my world views when it came to music and the arts I think more recently, and with this album, definitely had to change. 
I think if you asked me about two years ago, you know, Laura, if I'm going to give you an opportunity to to carve a career as a as a pop singer, um, which which I seem to be referred to <laughs> as, I would have said, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a singer. I'm, you know, I don't have a great voice and I don't see myself in that kind of light. But I think writing this album has enabled me to to see what I have in a in a very different way that really has very little to to do with how I used to think about what singing or good singing was. I don't even think that's how I used to think um, is relevant anymore. Also, one of the things that I really like about your voice and your music and probably more about your approach is the idea that, you know, a successful vocal doesn't have to be completely dominating completely you know feel the space in this way and I think that in pop music over the last few years a lot of female vocalists have kind of had these very powerful vocal runs which are you know really kind of overwhelm um, you know a lot of pop songs many many examples which we won't go into now but you know I think that you have a kind of a really good idea of kind of space and kind of other oh don't sounds. misunderstand me if I if I could do that <laughs> I'd do it man I'd run it if I, if God gave me a Whitney voice be sure to know <laughs> no but you know that's not really my thing my thing yeah is more about creating space with the instruments that I use the harmony the lyrics I don't really use many lyrics I like sort of repetitive ideas you know my music is about sort of mood and emotion or certainly this first album Sing to the Moon is very much about that and my voice kind of slots in somewhere she walked towards you with her head down low She wondered if there's a way out of the blue Who's gonna take her home this time She knew that this time wouldn't be the last time You want it to be so good. Um, for me, I have, I have these goals. Obviously, I want people to connect well with the music and for me to sing well and for the sound to be fantastic and everything to fall into place. But I think I've, I'm just learning to kind of make room for forever. It's never, ever going to be perfect. But also a lot of it is just trying to kind of establish your own style and your voice within that. And mm. I think so for so many artists, it can be quite a shot seeing kind of the difference between live performance and then recording mm. and kind of having to, you know, adapt mm. those. So, so kind of how have you given yourself an education in that way? Has it just been watching lots of amazing performances? That's what's been amazing about being on tour with Paloma, who really is the first artist I've had chance to see in a long while. From the first off, she, she plays for about an hour and 45, which to me seems like superwoman. I don't, <laughs> I actually don't know how that's physically possible. Um, my little support set is 30 minutes and I'm finished <laughs> by like 20 minutes. I'm ready to come off. I'll never be what you want and that's all right. my skin ain't right. And that's all right. Tell me
think the difference now is that there were just quite a few more elements to my game than there, there used to be maybe about a year and a half ago uh, when I was sort of juggling part-time work as a receptionist with recording in the studio. Yeah, it was a very sort of solitary existence. Um, but, you know, now I'm sort of never alone. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, which is different. You're getting um, more than 13 likes on your Facebook. Well, days, this so. is it. Yeah. Well, it was 16 likes. <laughs> sorry, sorry. For the <laughs> That was Laura Mavula. She's playing tonight, that's Saturday, on the Pyramid Stage. Check your local TV listings for more details. Now, to finish off day one, we're going to hear from artist Joe Rush, who's been exhibiting work at Glastonbury since 1984. This year, he's done a few things differently. He's built a giant scrap metal phoenix that's sitting on top of the Pyramid Stage. More on that later. And on Friday, he led a carnival procession of other metal delights. And on deck was Glastonbury founder Michael Evis. Let's hear how they got on. For, uh, for years, Michael Evis has been saying he wants to go around the festival on a boat. So we built his boat for Rihanna in the um, closing of the Paralympic Games, and we're going to push him around the festival, escorted by a giant hydraulic metal bull and a rusty metal dinosaur. Well, well it's like a galleon, really, a musical galleon. Boats with us, wrought iron. Um, balustrades and railings. It looks like a skeleton of uh, an army tank. It, it reminds me of the Iron Throne. You know our Game of Thrones? Like that, that is the Iron Throne embodied in a vehicle. There's, there's a, a fire extinguisher nozzle coming out of the two noses which snots everywhere. It's really attractive. Brilliant. And we built this boat for the closing of the ceremony of the Paralympic Games last year. Uh, in the stadium, we had Rihanna on it, and we'd, you know, we'd, we'd been wondering what to do with it ever since. And uh, so, yeah, we decided to uh, that this was the time for him to ha- have his voyage through his farm, really. Some guy was like, "There's Michael Evis on the procession," and we're like, "Yeah, yeah, we're not getting up from our chair." It's not here. Just letting people into film sets, really, building these dream worlds for them. You know, because people are getting a very virtual world nowadays, and this is reality, you know. A dinosaur chomping down the road, you know, with smoke coming out of it, and music, and it, it, it's three-dimensional reality rather than virtual reality, you know. Michael and Emily both working very closely together nowadays, you know, which is terrific. You know, they both realise that there's a lot of festivals now, and a lot of festivals have learned off the things that we've uh, evolved over the years. You know, some that it's got to retain that sense of wonderment, you know, in order for it to keep living, you know. And so that's really what I'm commissioned to do: is, is produce things that blow people's brains. It's so good when you walk up the hill and you can just see stuff like this. You know, that's Michael Evis on top of a, a boat. It's fantastic. Yeah, no, no, this this year we've got something particularly uh, unusual happening so keep an eye on the main stage especially uh, during the Rolling Stones gig and uh, you'll see something quite extraordinary happening to the uh, to the old pyramid I love you I love you love you know some people think oh yeah it's us against them and you know there's the alternative side and there's the commercial side but I think it's not I think this whole thing 
you know, if it's mainstream, then we're all mainstream, and we fought for our right to be mainstream. If this becomes mainstream, I'm happy, you know, because it means that something real has become mainstream. You know, this is this is part of British society. This is why Mutoid Race Company in the um, and the whole festival thing, doing the closing ceremony of the Paralympic Games, was a great moment for us because it showed that this is part of British culture. This is part of what we are in this country. So I think it's a very, uh, very important thing. All right, that's it for day one, uh, folks. Um, Dorian, who are you looking forward to seeing tomorrow? Uh, tomorrow is Veterans Day. Um, <laughs> so I'll be watching Elvis Costello, Primal Scream, and the Rolling Stones. Mm -hmm. Any young people? Any young people. Uh, Zaley Banks is a young person. She is. And we'll be playing young person's hippity hop. <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm gonna watch a bit of that. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Kieran. I'm looking forward to Rodigan, Major Laser, and Public Enemy. Fantastic. Tim, what about you? I think Major Laser will be very good. Yeah. But I want to see the Stones. Yeah, I, I just I don't understand all these people who aren't going to see the Stones. Why would you not? They're just, they're there. The exactly. Stones are they're there. there. It's like someone, someone was saying, oh, I'm not going to see foot buttons. It's like, well, you can probably see foot buttons again. I mean, yeah, yeah, you probably can see foot buttons. Although foot buttons are probably really good. I would, if, if they were not playing against the Stones, I would go and see foot buttons because I like them very much. Um, so, oh, another uh, packed and uh, thrilling day. Uh, thank you all uh, for coming. Uh, and taking part in this uh, Farago. <laughs> um, thanks also to Joe Rush and Laura Mavula. Uh, remember, you can get the best reviews of the festival and all the latest news at guardian.co.uk forward slash Glastonbury. My name is Alexis Petridis. The producer was Matt Hill. We'll see you tomorrow. We're up all night to get lucky. Bye-bye. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.